Alright, well welcome everyone. Um, why don't we just kick off with a word of prayer and we'll get right into it. Uh, Father, thank you so much um, for your church. Uh, thank you for dying uh, for us, making us part of your family, and then just, boy, giving us this task of helping each other grow spiritually. We are overwhelmed by it, but we know you, you want to do it uh, through us, through your Holy Spirit. So we ask for your Holy Spirit. We ask for wisdom. We ask for practical, helpful ways to encourage people to be more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like Brad said, welcome. Thanks for coming to, uh, to our breakout. You picked like the best breakout, by the way. There were many options, you know, well done. You chose wisely. Um, but uh, yeah, Brad and I are really excited to have an opportunity to talk about this topic here, caring for the spiritually immature. How, how do we do that well? And how do we provide care to people like this? And these are the people in your group that just don't seem to be growing, or there's not even really a desire or evidence of them wanting to grow or mature in their walk with Christ. It could be the person who rarely participates in group. Um, and then when they do, it's like way off topic and like going down some crazy direction that you're trying to redirect and somehow get this back on track so that you can have a positive discussion time. Or they're talking about something not related to their life personally, but it's off in the distant or somebody else, someone who doesn't share prayer requests. Or again, when they do, it's not directly related to them, but it's someone um, someone else. Or they're sharing the same thing every single week, and there's just not a ton of progress being uh, made. Or uh, it could be just someone who just seems to complain about their circumstances. And you're trying to help them, but there's no growth. And they just seem like the same struggle is ever-present in their Life. So what can you do? What should you do as leaders to help people like this that just seem, for whatever reason, uh, stuck? Nate, I tell you, you, you are bumming me out, man. You, you are right. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way. It's insurmountable. I mean, we're giving you your time back. There's nothing you can do. Right. So. <laughs> and uh, what's your name, by the way? I don't know. Do we even oh, yeah. introduce ourselves? I mean, Good call. Nate Miller. Uh, pastor here, been uh, on staff for 10 years, actually, in October. I've been a part of Northridge since 2007. When we started, was a part of groups jumping in. So almost two, uh, two, 18 years being a part of groups. I've been a coach since 2011. And uh, as a coach, I've also had the wonderful opportunity to spend a lot of time with this guy, which I'll let you introduce <laughs> yourself. Yeah, and I really want you not to hold Nate's youth and inexperience against him. I mean, he, he does have a couple of wise things to say. But... Uh, so my wife Karen is here, and we've been doing groups. Woo, yeah, I mean, it's coming up on 30 years. 1992, I remember, was our first group experience in the Chicago area. And, you know, that just wrecked us. I mean, it was a life-changing experience, and we would never be part of a church that didn't have groups and unless they let us start groups, and we helped start groups, you know, at churches. But, and we've been here at Northridge since the beginning of 06, so like 15 years, but we love groups. And I guess it's on me because you did raise that question of what we do. And, you know, it is a great question. I mean, we have messy groups. Some groups are messier than others. And I really only know one surefire way to get the messy out of groups, and that's to get people out of groups. But um, we all have issues. I mean, I have issues. Uh, we all have unique 
you know, challenges that we present to our groups, you know, as people. And one of the exciting things about being part of a growing church is that we get people who are flowing in from all points of view and places. And, um, you know, we do not just attract the mature and the committed. You know, we attract the broken. We attract the curious. And that's exciting, uh, but it's also messy. And like Jason was sharing earlier, there's just a whole spectrum of experience. I think each of you could think of the spectrum of experiences you've had. And in 30 years, I mean, I can go to the dark side, you know, and just remember one guy who we had in group, you know, we hadn't in group for years because we would go through many multiplications. And I hung on to that guy through every multiplication because I would never wish him on the other group. But I so many breakfasts, so many hours spent in with him, him, but so many blow ups. And it was just, it was horrible. Domestic abuse, um, horrible situation, police involved. I mean, the marriage broke up. He isn't even here anymore. And you just say, what's the point? What, what good was any of that? But then on the other end, of the spectrum, there's a guy like Liam Brody, who was a student at RIT, and he was a physicist and an atheist, but he bumped into and made friends with people in crew, and he got interested in the gospel, and he literally, he just, that guy became a sponge, became a believer, went from biblical illiteracy from, to reading his Bible from cover to cover. During that time, he's just like texting me all the wacky, weird stuff in the Bible. Brad, what does this mean? You know, or asking this theological question. And it was just so fun, you know, to answer those questions or go to a Red Wings game with him or whatever. And just, um, yeah, even as he went to other cities, just make connections with, with other, other believers. And in the end, I got to baptize him um, at the Henrietta campus. And we, I, Probably, I, I love telling this story, so you've maybe heard it before, but I'm in like the second row. Liam and I are standing there waiting, you know, f- you know for this signal to go up and get baptized. And he leans over and says, uh, Brad, I want to say this in like the least mushy way possible, but, um, you know, my parents broke up when I was young and I was very close to my stepdad who passed a couple years ago. And you've been like a father to me. And I'm like, dude, you cannot do that right before I'm about to step up there in front of people, you know. You know but couldn't have waited till after. But uh, anyway, that's the other end of the spectrum, and there's everything in between. For sure. And so we want to get practical and, and try to help us think through what, what we can do or what steps we can take. But I think before we do that, it's important that we, we got to remember and recognize just a couple of things. And first and foremost, we got to understand um, that... Um, you aren't the Holy Spirit. Um, I am not the Holy Spirit. I can't change anyone. You can't change anyone. Brad can't change anyone. I've and, tried. <laughs> yeah. We're reminded of this all throughout Scripture. A verse that comes to mind is Philippians 2.13, which says, For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we're not trying to be the Holy Spirit. And we're not trying to share with you some formula that if you do A, B, and C, it will guarantee or result in the desired growth or outcome that you, you want to see in anyone. Only, only God can produce that. Um, but then second, the other thing we need to recognize um, is that don't miss out on what God might want to teach you. I know I am so guilty of this. It's so easy for me to skip over this when I'm dealing with someone difficult in my group. Like I'm just like, how do I get them out of my group? Or like, how do I, you know, help fix them or their issue or what they need to do Um, and forget that, man, this is a challenge that God even wants to use in my life to help me grow um, as a leader and as a follower of Christ. I think of what Paul says in um, 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, where he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And mm-hmm. I love this verse. And one of the things that struck me, you know, the other month as I was reading this and looking at this, I find it interesting that Paul, uh, he doesn't instruct us to give thanks for every circumstance. Uh, no, he says give thanks in every circumstance. And I think that's significant because Paul words remind us that gratitude, it's not anchored in ease. It's anchored in intimacy with God. And the more that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of who God is, we're reminded of just his faithfulness and goodness to us. So the more that we get to know God, the more reasons that we have to thank him. And I think that that helps us when it comes into these perspectives. Uh, to, uh, to have a proper perspective when we come into these situations that are just, that are hard and we don't know what to do that it can remind us, man, there's something in here that God wants me to see and understand. So just some important truths I want us to keep in mind as we kind of delve in now to some more of the practical side of like some mm-hmm. things we can try to do to point them. Um, yeah. in, in but the, I do, I do love that point. I mean, I have to remind myself of that point. Don't miss on what God might want to teach you know me. I've, I've thought for years of groups as a leadership factory, you know, here at Northridge, because we just know that's how we get people involved and how they mature and then they, you know, serve and step up and often, you know, just, um, but just realizing that part of that process is just my exposure to the frustration, you know, Mm -hmm. but the godly frustration and then prayer in response, but, Mm -hmm. but God, you know, I mean... It's what we get exposed to that really works on our hearts and just highlights, oh, that's an issue for me. But anyway, loved your point <laughs> on that. But we do, like Nate said, want to share some, you know, hey, practical steps you can take, just things to think about. And number one is just to please prioritize friendship. Okay, I mean, it's easy to move on to the nuts and bolts and think of this, that, but you know, it, what really, we are providing so many godly friendships, you know, through our groups, you know, you know, here at Northridge. And those friendships, that has to be the foundation, and that is what builds trust and openness. It happens on the platform of friendship. And never underestimate the power of agenda-free time, okay? It's not, you don't always have to have you know, some intent, goal, you know, in mind. But that time is so valuable that you just get to hang um, with other people. And there's all kinds of ways, you know, you can do that. I mean, and there are some big ways that people have done that and stepped up. I mean, there have been, you know, road trips. Um, you know, people have gone camping, you know, with their group. Now, my wife is not a camper. I'm not a camper. She's really not a camper. So we haven't done it. But I've never met anyone who did it and regretted it. You know, it was just... That, that, that was something, you know, just take that extra step and go out there and camp together, do a bed and breakfast together. But, you know, I know that's rare. Okay, I know I'm putting that out there. I mention it because people have done it, but it's not likely, you know, that, you know, you, you'll be doing that, you know, too often or ever. So maybe, but maybe it's a day trip, you know. Um, last year, Karen mapped out all her favorite ice cream places across upstate New York, you know, and, the, and we wanted to get to all the Finger Lakes. So just to, like, take a day trip, you know, go get ice cream, see some beautiful scenery, spend some time, you know, in a car together. Go to a Big Ten football championship and stay in a dive motel. No, that's way too specific. But uh, Sounds like there's a story there. <laughs> that near-death experience bonded me and Joe Parks <laughs> together. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, I mean, I know those are big things, so even to scale it back a bit, you don't have to do all of that. Just eat together, right? I mean... 
Um, or actually, was actually was go to an event. Okay, yeah. So go to an event. I mean, hockey games, Red Wings games. I've done both with guys in my groups. I love that. Um, but uh, all kinds of things, you know, that you could do locally. You know, not, not a big deal. Or just, you know, do some eating together. I mean, I love to go out for breakfast. I know a lot of guys like doing breakfast. I don't know why. It seems like a lot of guys like breakfast. A lot of girls like coffee. But whatever it is, you know, just that time. And I know that... Um, you know, uh, when I go out for breakfast, my wife, I, I like it because Karen let, I, lets me go to breakfast as long as I'm doing it with other guys because then she knows I'm investing in other people. So that's worthwhile. So <laughs> win-win, I get breakfast. And then you just have that time where maybe you're eating together. And it doesn't, again, doesn't have to have an agenda. Maybe it has an agenda. Maybe it is a time one-on-one -on -one to go deeper with some of the things. So I'll talk about some things that just aren't as comfortable to talk about in group or just to loosen things up. But, um, and it doesn't have to be one-on-one. -on -one. It can be your group or a subgroup. I mean, how cool is it when the, guy, the woman guy who is hosting every week you know, they get to, you know, go out with some people, you know, for dinner, you know, in the group and get, you know, not have to worry about it and just to enjoy and to be served and have that time together. But just having that bandwidth of life together means a lot. I think when you have that friendship um, established, that trust established, then you can move on to really being able to potentially press into an area or topic with mm -hmm. an individual that you truly do want to see some growth in their lives which is um, this next step of just create intentional conversations. Be intentional when you're with, when you're with that person. And uh, uh, so some ways to do that would just simply be just to ask questions that build relationships. Um, ask good questions. I read in a book once, you know, that yeah, when you're in conversation with someone, you should speak about 20% of the time. And when you speak and when you use that 20%, allow it to be questions that are geared towards pulling out more about that person. Tell me more about that or tell me about your background or your spiritual journey, how you came to Northridge, how you came to Christ, who's been an influential person in your life. Like these kinds of questions that can kind of get the conversation going and also get a little bit, um, a little bit deeper uh, beneath the surface of their, of their life, understanding their life history. Or just in getting to know their heart, their passions, what they're excited about. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, ask questions that build relationships. In addition to that, we would just say once you ask a question, be a good listener. Right? I'm guilty of this where sometimes I'll ask a question and they share something that like reminds me of a shared similar experience. And next thing you know, I jump in on that and then I'm sharing about what I did and how I relate to that. And, and it's okay to do that. Don't hear me say like you can't do that. But um, try to, again, keep, keep the, the conversation focused on them. Be a good lis listener. Re resist that urge to just kind of point it back on, on you. But, um, but ask good questions. And then lastly, coach, don't preach. Um, I'm not talking about like a whistle or chucking chairs you know, or any, anything like that. Um, Who chucks chairs? I mean, Bobby Knight. Is it, is, yeah, does it still Bobby happen? Did. Does it still happen? Right. Oh, I wanted goodness. to today in the Bills game. <laughs> Man, that was a rough one. Well, I see we have a Steeler. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Coach, don't preach. What I'm talking about is actions um, that work from knowledge of an individual, right? Not just a topic. So this, this, this is you know this person. You've invested in them. And when you share a step for them that they might be able to press into or take, it's coming from... A relationship where they're open to receiving it, um, not just feel like you're preaching at them or uh, this is some sermon or something like that, but there's, there's a relationship that's, mm -hmm. that's there.
Yeah. And I certainly mentioned the agenda free time, but then how about having a plan, having, having an agenda, having intention, like what is there that we can do that would be helpful, you know, both ways, you know, for them, for us in growing spiritually. And you don't have to, and, and again, just take advantage of your group, just in terms of the wealth of wisdom that's already there. I mean, all of us, you know, we're working through our faith and we're facing challenges and some things we do better at and some things, you know, we struggle with and there can be some, you know, some help there. So just talking among your group about, hey, what are you guys attacking? What's going on? You know, what spiritual disciplines are you working on? What's easy for you? What's, what's hard? I, best answer, what was hard and now was easy? Ooh, I want to know the answer to that, you know. But, um, but just share ideas, you know, among your group members about, you know, ways, ways to pray, strategies to pray, ways to study the Bible, you know, you know, you know different things that can happen. Uh, set some goals together and maybe read together. Maybe you're going to, maybe there's a good book, you know, again, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's people a lot smarter than us, you know, who it's just, and the nice thing about it is, so there's books, especially for young, you know, Christians, um, uh, Kevin DeYoung's got a couple, Taking God at His Word, um, or Just Do Something. I like that book, Just Do Something. Just so practical, relatable, down to earth. But even when you're going through a book that's like, oh, I've been a Christian quite some time, you know, um, but just to walk through those truths again in a fresh way can be so, you know, so helpful, humbling and, and, and helpful. But uh, yeah, share a book together. That can spark some conversations. You know, maybe that's something you're, you know, meeting at breakfast for, discussing a chapter at a time, you know, uh, you know whatever. Uh, Bible reading plans. I love Bible reading plans. Um, so, like, Bible reading for me, I'm 59 years old, and there's times I've done pretty well at reading the Bible and times I've done, you know, not so well at reading the Bible. One thing that I've learned is I, I kind of think that as mature as I am, you know, that it really, I can wing it, you know. I'll just, like, find passages that you know, or appropriate or whatever. That never goes well. I have found that I love you version. I used to think it would be horribly spiritual. Who, who but a baby Christian would read their Bible on a phone? I mean, what is that? You know, you got to have the big one that's got the wide margins and you're highlighting and marking and stuff. But now I'm reading the Bible on my phone. Why? Because you version automates it and it's got a plan. And I know the chapters that I'm reading every day. You know, and the nice thing about it is those are well structured. There's a nice balance there. I'm not just reading the parts of the Bible that I like and avoiding the parts of the Bible I don't like so much, you know, or don't want to hear hear that. But again, to automate that. And so you and you version is very shareable, right? There's you can have friends in you group, the other people in your group, you know, they can see streaks, you know, your streaks. You might be on the same reading plan. I love you. I love you version and I love any way to automate, you know, um, you know, those things. Um, growth goal cards. Those were at your tables out there tonight. So if you didn't grab some, I would encourage you to go back and grab some, you know, after this is over. Um, cause I don't think we brought them up to the room, but, um, but yeah, those growth goal cards are awesome. Just think about beginning of trimester, end of trimester. You know, what do I want the Delta to be, the change to be between beginning of the trimester and the end of the trimester? Um, what are ways I want to look, and I say ways, but really maybe way, you know, don't set, don't set eight goals, you know, three goals, but you know, here's, here's the one thing I want to tackle, you know, this trimester and really grow. And maybe I just, you know, 
me or people in your group are making those goals of starting to serve. You know, they just need to step up and serve in a significant way or take that step of obedience and baptism or have someone who's actually holding them accountable in an encouraging, grace-filled way, you know, for their quiet times. Um, or maybe it's a pi-squared goal. You know, you know what? I've, I've had this person on my pi-squared list for a long time and I haven't done a thing about it, you know? So what are the, you know, how am I going to pray? How am I going to serve that person? What are the opportunities I'm going to find to socially, you know, be, you know, with that person? But anyway, growth goal card, something you can use at the beginning of the trimester, check back in at the end of the trimester. And then utilize various resources. I've already mentioned YouVersion uh, and books, but there's also Right Now Media. So we have, as a church, access to that. It's like Netflix for Christians. It's got just tons of great teaching content, really great communicators presenting different things. I, I don't know what your topic is. There's someone talking about it on Right Now Media. Um, and so some good things there that you might want to share you know, with people in your group. And finally, uh, Equip. You know, that is the resource that we're building, you know, have built for years in-house. So as, it, you know, over time, there's more and more of an archive, you know, on equip of, you know, resources and things that are helpful. But there's always the stuff that's in flight right now. So like Nate mentioned down there, um, we've got a couple of, uh, is that's true at the Roster Campus too, right? A couple of uh, yep. equip classes going. Online even as well. For as fall and online. Right. So, you know. Um, so maybe you say to someone in your group, hey, the story of reality, that sounds, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. Do you want to go do that with me? You know, and there's an opportunity to, you know, come alongside, share, and do a quip together. For sure. So a plan is great, but it's only as good as, you know, as long as you're following it. So accountability is huge in this, especially with people who are struggling to grow. Like you're going to have to follow up and come up with some sort of way to be able to come back to whatever that plan is that, that you guys have said. And I know accountability can be like this weird word or a negative word. So if you gotta relabel it, it's fine. You know, maybe you call it weekly follow-up. Report cards. <laughs> yeah, report, report cards. Does that, that work? Might Does that not, not, not so good? For, but um, <laughs> but uh, but it is so important. And so there's a few ways that I've actually seen groups do this well. These aren't original with me. This is just my observation as a coach and seeing groups that do accountability well. This is this is what they're doing. Um, and it's their, the, I've seen groups focus on one spiritual discipline each week. Uh, I've seen, I've seen groups that will say, okay, this week we're really just going to focus on prayer. And so we are going to, we're going to pray we're going to make it a goal to pray for at a period of time in the day, each day. And we're all going to do that. And we're going to come back that following week, hold each other accountable to how we've uh, done that. I've seen groups do that certainly in regards to, um, reading plans and things like that. I've seen groups do fasts where they fast for from a particular type of food or from coffee or social so, media, social media, Netflix, <laughs> yeah. but to bring quiet, get away from screens, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That can be a great way to, again, bring focus. You're all doing it together and then you can hold one another accountable again that following week. These can be weekly things that you can do to hold one another accountable, which again can be helpful. Um, and then we've talked a ton about growth goals, but check in on growth goals. Um, I've seen groups that will every time the guys meet or the girls meet, they're talking about, hey, how are you doing in that growth goal? Did you take that step yet? Did you go to iwant.info and say I'm interested in serving or baptism if that's their goal or whatever the goal might be? But make it a point. You don't have to wait till the end of trimester. You can check in on those growth goals throughout, um, throughout the trimester as well. It's a great tool. Uh, many of you are probably already doing this, but email, text out prayer requests. Um, that's another way to get things in front of people beyond just the night that your uh, that your group meets. Um, that that that's super helpful. I 
I would imagine many groups are doing that um, already. This next one, my group has actually personally benefited from this, assigned pairs to follow up each week. One of the things we've been doing over the last year is um, when we, I think the, the girls in our group are doing this as well, but in prayer time, we all start by, I write my name and my cell phone number, and then just an area either of growth or an area I'm working in my life that I want the guys to hold me accountable on or to pray for me on. We fold it up, put it in the middle, and then every guy grabs um, grabs uh, a sticky note, and then it's your responsibility to call or to text that guy and just say, hey, how are you doing at this area before our next group meeting? And some guys will call, some will text. I've even seen guys go over and above and say, hey, let's grab coffee this week, and I wanna hear how you're doing on this area. Again, another practical way to do accountability um, uh, within, within groups. So having a plan is great, but you've got to find ways to come back around and, and, and track with one another on how things are going. Yeah. And I love, I mean, things like texts and stuff. I mean, what are you talking about? Two minutes, you know, it's just, but they are so important if you just drip those things, right. you know, through daily life. Yeah. And then we also want to just talk about, again, we're, you know, a lot of do, you know, we're talking about, but a lot of be. And so the next one, I would get back to be and just say to model it. I mean, so much of what our group members will get from us is caught, not taught. You know, mm-hmm. so much of it is just seeing what, it, what, it, what does a Christian even look like? You know, some people are coming into our groups. They've never seen someone pray before. What does that sound like? You know, whatever. But uh, anyway, just to model and to be an example of authenticity um, and to share openly. And it's not just to model our successes, of course, but to model our struggles. And this is something... I'll, I'll, I'll drift into opaqueness, right, <laughs> just over time. If I'm not constantly reminding myself to be transparent, to be authentic, to share the stuff that's a little embarrassing or a little humiliating or challenging in my life. I remember years ago, um, we were in a group and Eric and Rachel joined our group. And another, Eric was another physicist atheist so I don't know why I attract those people but um and his girlfriend was a believer he was not of course but she dragged him to group oh come on it'll be fine he did not want to be there but and then there was a time where guys and girls break up and he's like what's happening now you know but uh but he was next to me and I just knew this was years ago and I just knew that I had to say hey guys I just need you to know that I went some places on the web I should not have gone and I know I shared I think I shared this story back when we had a whole uh, regroup on model authenticity, you know, you know, last time. But Eric's head just, boom, snapped on a swivel to me and said, you talk about that stuff here? And that just, for him, just opened it up. And he was all in, you know, after that. But just to know that this is a safe place and an open place. But we have to continually make those little sacrifices to humiliate ourselves just a little bit because he must increase, but I must decrease. And, and God honors those sacrifices. He, he shows up. And, the, and rightly, the attention starts to shift from us to him, right? And just good things happen. And share a goal that you want to improve on. You know, maybe one reason people aren't growing in your group is just because you haven't given them the opportunity to see growth in you, right? Even to model it, to see it. So I would just, I'm reminding myself, hey, in that first week one or two, sometimes week one is more, might have a meal or be more fellowshipy or something, but certainly by week two, you know, just lead out with these goals, you know, and stuff, but just share, hey, this is what I am working on. Not only say what I am working on, but hey guys, this is what I want you to ask me. You know, this is how I want to be held accountable. So next week, I want you to be sure that you ask me, you know, if blank, whatever, because this is something that 
I want to improve on. So just to ask for that accountability, to lead out on that, model that, uh, was just huge. Next, we want to talk about prayer. This could easily be um, first, but we have it kind of as our last step um, because it really is in, important. We got to be intentional as leaders to be uh, to be praying. And first and foremost, we should be praying as a leader. I know, oftentimes, especially when it comes to the person in my group that might be frustrating or or difficult, I'm just quick to complain or be frustrated. And when I ask myself, man, how often have I prayed for this person? It's not nearly enough. And I would offer the same question to you. If there's a person in your mind that is difficult or challenging, I would just say, how often have you prayed for that, for that person, uh, for God to work in their life and in their heart? Um, we gotta be praying as leaders, um, certainly individually, privately, but then also we gotta be praying as a group. On um, the New Testament, I mean, all throughout the scriptures, we see the importance of, of prayer. And one of the benefits of prayer is our acknowledgement of who really is in control in our lives. We're dependent on God for him to move and to work in our lives and in the lives of those in our, in our group. So we got to be praying as a group. Don't skip on prayer, skimp on prayer time, prioritize that. In fact, that can be some of the, the best times of really being able to open up and share and pray for one another and for God to work um, in those relationships within, within your group. Um, and as you think about praying in group, I would also just encourage you to think about patterning prayer inside of groups. So especially as a leader, when you pray, I would encourage you Pray shorter prayers, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> pray in conversational style, not like old English language or Don't like... Don't make a, it sound like a seminary term paper. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, keep it simple. Because just like Brad said, it's caught. It's more caught than taught. So they're watching you and how you pray, especially yeah. someone who's a new believer who's never prayed out loud before. They are taking cues from how you, you are praying. So you can pattern simple, conversational, open, authentic prayers to God. Um, by, by leading out in your group in that way. Yeah, and I think, you know, just, I never know, some of you guys are new, some of you guys have known me for years and you hear this stuff over and over again, but, you know, that priority of prayer is just, it's just it's that we always have that goal that no one leaves group unprayed for. Now, there's times where people won't pray, you know, right. because they're new, scared, and whatever, and that's totally fine to us. But it just how can we pray for you, you know, just yeah. having those opportunities. Not everyone has to pray, but everyone should be prayed for, yeah. right? That's something I've heard you Mm -hmm. you say, Brad. Um, and then one last ju just thing, encourage um, prayer outside of group. So encourage your people to be praying. I've seen groups do this through scripture as well, where they'll work through the Lord's Prayer um, over the course of a trimester, or they'll pray through uh, like Psalm 23, and they'll take a verse or two and just pray that prayer in their times with God, which is again, a practical way to model and encourage everyone to be praying um, outside of group. But pray, 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 super important. Yeah. And then finally, just want to cycle back. The last thing I want to share with you is to try to have appropriate expectations. And that's kind of how we started off. We started off, maybe you walked into this room because you're frustrated or expectations aren't being met or, or whatever. And I totally, totally get that. Uh, but just, I want you, to, I wanted to share with you three things that I think about, I dwell on. This is something I use to get my head right, to get my heart right. Um, just as I'm thinking about people, just it, it energizes me. It gives me, it lets me, you know, gives me patience and perseverance and uh, just changes, you know, how I relate. But the things I dwell on, just try to remember is to think about my identity as a parent and how that influences how I relate to them. I've been a parent for 30 years and I have four grown children. And just two things that I know for sure is just how much I love them. 
and then how little control I have over them, especially as adults. You know, they're adults and they're making their own choices. And uh, hopefully you have adults, you know, in your group <laughs> and they're making their own choices, right? Um, but you still love them. And just to think as a parent who, who always loves and, uh, but knows, you know, we just don't have control. But, and not every one of us is a parent, but I'm sure that each of us can imagine, you know, what that is, but maybe not every one of us is a parent. Um, but every one of us is a child. And I always think about my identity as a child, and every one of us has God the Father as the perfect parent. And just for me, it's about dwelling about how, and I'm thinking about my relationship with people in my group. It's like, how is God relating to me? Uh, he is a gradualist. I mean, he is extremely patient with how long it takes me to get from point A uh, to point B. And he has sacrificed so much, you know, and put up with so much, you know, for me. And if these people are irritating me just a little bit, I mean, come on. What is that compared to how I've broken or grieved, you know, God? Um, How long has it taken me to overcome some habitual sin, you know, that's been challenging me for years? And as soon as I get, you know, some degree of growth over that, then the Holy Spirit convicts me of the next sin I need to work on. Or then then I get working on that, and then I fall back on the previous one. But, you know, it's if God is this patient with me, um, how patient can I be with them? If God, if, if God has sacrificed everything, you know, at the cross to make me part of his family, you know, how much do I need to, you know, set aside, you know, for, you know, for those, you know, you know in my group? Uh, he certainly wrecked me a number of times. I, but really, most of the time, God has just been very patient, you know, with me. And, you know, how, how often has he yelled at me? I always think, never enough. You know, I just, <laughs> why aren't you yelling at me more? I would be so ticked off at me right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so um, identity is a parent, our identity is a child, and finally an identity is a beggar, you know, when it just comes to it. I have to confess, you know, you know, if I, when I see a home, I was going to say homeless guy, I mean, I just, like, when I see a homeless person uh, at a corner, I mean, that temptation there is to think, you know, just to let some slightly superior thoughts, you know, slip in, but I don't know his story. I don't know his story at all, and the fact is, I'm no better you know, I, I have no more leverage with God than he does. You know, I have nothing, you know, to persuade God or change him. But I can ask, and he wants me to ask, and he wants me to pray. We, and we have desperate situations where, again, we can't control, we can't change, but we can pray. Two of my children are following God uh, today, and two of my children are openly hostile uh, to faith. And regarding the ones far from God, there's... Obviously, a lot of pain and a lot of confusion. There's a lot of things that Karen and I, we think about, should we do this? Maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, what are the strategies? What are, uh, confusion, uncertainty. But there's absolute certainty about God's will in one area. And I know that it's God's will that I become a better prayer. That this experience exists, and going all the way back to Nate saying, let God work on you, let God work on me to make me, let this experience make me a better prayer. I mean, if I love them, they love, God loves them so much more, and I'm not in control, but he is. So we can't expect group members to hop in one step from where they are to where we are, um, but that doesn't mean we have no expectations, um, and not low expectations, but appropriate expectations and patient expectations, and just that wise focus on what's the small, doable, immediately available step for spiritual growth.
So we got five minutes left and we want to honor that time to, uh, to let you guys get out of here at uh, 7.15. But we'd love to turn it over to you guys if there are questions or even ideas that you have. There's a wealth of knowledge and experience in here that we can share and learn with one another as you've encountered or maybe have to come alongside people that man, you're trying to urge along or push along in their faith. But um, yeah, any follow-up, whether comments or even questions you guys have that we can... I got a question for you. Yeah. How, how would you apply this um, when the person in your group is is very knows the Bible really well or knows the faith really well, but mm. has become stagnant or has become resistant resistant to um, accountability? And it, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some of the harder ones. Yeah. You beat me to it. But, you know, what's interesting about that one is, you remember I mentioned the spectrum and that guy that was all the way down there? He was a missionary kid. And his dad was like, you know, seminary professor and stuff. I mean, he and he, he it was like a similar situation. So I'm not offering you much hope because it didn't turn out so well here. I mean, there is probably a situation where, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, you, you, you can be patient and you can pray, but I know in that situation, I had a situation too where, again, people, what they know insulates them from being, you know, hearing anything or being challenged. Um, there was just so many ways in which he felt superior, you know, to the people around when clearly his life was in chaos. Uh, but um, so I'm responding by saying pray and then... Um, you know, certainly be patient, you know, uh, with him. I think but pride is just a huge thing there. There's an yeah. arrogance there, the self-righteousness that you got, you have to try to navigate that and certainly pray for God to give opportunities to be able to maybe try to help him see that that, that side of him is getting in the way of, you know, like the fruit of the spirit that we just talked about. Like you have all of this knowledge, but if that knowledge is not producing patience and love and kindness and gentleness, something's out of whack here that we got to try to lean into to figure out what's going on here because a follower of Christ, these should be evident. They're not evident. So yeah. How, how do we work through that? But there's some, yeah, I mean, there's some of the hardest ones. Yeah. The but I think also it's so like you were saying before, some of the gentle questions can help too. It's just like basically, you know, he, you know, how is that working for you? I mean, I'm sure there's pain and frustration in his life, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you know, so, okay, so you're telling me this is the way to do it. How is that working for you? But just, I, I don't know. But uh, uh, there's got to be a way that, you know, pray for and help God to see. I know like if you scriptures, it was always like the parables and the stories that slipped past people's defenses, right? Like Nathan talking about the little lamb. Where he's talking to David, gets them all uptight, you know, and it's, you know, that's you, dude, you know, and just, you know, so often with Jesus, with the parables, you know, tell these stories and it's just like, stink, that's me, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That was helpful. That was helpful. Okay. It was very helpful, especially the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. part. Um, yeah. So okay. that was good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. How would you guys handle someone who maybe they've been in the church for a while, they should know the right answers, but they love to challenge things just for the sake of challenging you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's, I went first on the other one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with challenging, I guess, if it's for a healthy in, in purpose. 
if it's just to like you have your hobby high horse of theological you know subjects that you like to debate on and you know the debates and it's really not producing fruit or uh, just the overall well-being of those in your group then I think you may and might and it might be a side conversation of like dude I love your passion for these this topic or whatever but um, and sometimes I wonder if that's best maybe not outside of group or I'm noticing it's frustrating those within our group and maybe they don't want to come anymore because of that but it might be a side conversation outside of group where you just try to help them understand it's okay to have those convictions it's okay to have that that perspective on things but what's your purpose in it is it just to be right or is it to try to cultivate relationships within our group is it helping that or is it hurting that and try to help them understand that yeah. That is more important than just being right or feeling right on, on a particular topic or question. Yeah. And I mean, again, you're talking with them. You just say, hey, listen, you know, you want to partner with them and say, listen, it's my goal that everyone in this group benefits, you know, from, you know, from this discussion and this time. And just, you know, if there are ways that, you know, dampen that or frustrate that, you know, um, what can we do? You know, let's, how, how, how do we make it so that everyone feels safe that, yeah. you know, and, and, and gets to benefit from this? I had just a comment. I, um, something that has been done for me over the years that I just valued so much when I've been struggling with different things. It's mm-hmm. like the whole prayer element. Mm-hmm. People can tell you that they're praying for you. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, well, are you really praying for me? Or right. was that just a conversation that we had quickly in church that didn't result in reality? Mm-hmm. So for me, I've had it done for me, and I've tried to do that more just this last trimester, is if I said I was praying for someone and I did, to write that prayer down mm-hmm. and then to take a little photo picture of it and then send that to them to say, wow. this is my prayer for you. Wow. So that the person actually feels like, you, per- you actually prayed for me, for sure. and I can see what you did, and having scripture tied to that. So wow. I just took that from something that somebody did for me, mm-hmm. and how meaningful that was to me. I even have some of those prayers saved wow. from people, That's and awesome. just like just giving that to other people so mm-hmm. they see like. Yeah. Like it was a process. This yeah. Was something you said. For sure. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. That's a yeah. Good idea. That would that would be powerful. Absolutely powerful. Yeah. Cool. All right, we're over time. Brad and I'll hang out for a little bit. Thank sure. you guys so much for coming. We really appreciate you taking time out of a busy time of year to right. hang out with us at Regroup. And just to manage your expectations, there's no more snacks or food down. There's no ice cream melting for you down. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if it's a COVID thing or what, but there's no snacks. You got your individual boxes. I'm sorry. So, Anyway, chat it up. Talk to your leaders. Have a good time. <laughs>